languages have do a really good job of capturing the poetry of scripture and that translation I felt had, had a really nice cadence and rhythm to it okay everybody I'm Pastor John Jay and I'm so glad to join you in worship this morning we have a lot of stuff happening and uh, the first thing that we're gonna get to as we move toward our teaching time is a family dedication and so uh, just to kind of prep you on where we're heading together today we're talking about the church but actually today we're just going to be the church. We're going to practice what it means to be together uh, in a way that forms us more deeply. And so we're going to start this section with a family dedication with a new baby that's here with us and then move through some teaching, uh, remember those who have died in our community on this All Saints Sunday, and then after a little bit more teaching, we've got another family and baby to dedicate. So that's where we're heading together. I'm going to invite Pastor Lindsay if she would come up to the front and do a little intro and get us oriented and we'll continue together. Good morning. Yeah, I'm Pastor Lindsay. I'm the family pastor here. This is such an exciting Sunday. And it's also uh, the Sunday when we have kids in service. Um, so this is just a full, richer picture of our church family um, and of who God is. So I would like to invite the Christian family up, please. So we have Craig and Danielle and sweet little baby Adelaide. And Adelaide is six months now, right? Born in April. And so she's, uh, yeah, new to us. Craig and Danielle have been coming here for about a year, along with Craig's mom, Lorraine. Um, and Craig just stepped into serving in our children's ministry, which is really wonderful. Yeah. And I know, um, <laughs> what I love too is that at that time, Craig told me, you know, I'm ready to dive in, and I'm sorry I haven't done it sooner, but I just wanted to make sure that this church was a right fit for both us and Adelaide and for your mom. And so it's just really wonderful to have your whole complete family here um, growing with us, and Adelaide has been such a precious addition, of course. Um, So we're real excited to have this baby dedication today. Awesome. Oh, no, the giraffe fell. Sophie. Don't don't worry. The floors are very, very clean. All right. Uh, Can I borrow your baby? Yeah. Okay, Adelaide, come on, we've talked about this. You can keep the giraffe while we walk. All right. So I'm going to ch- chat with her and introduce her to the church, and then we'll meet back here in just a moment, okay? Um, church family, this is Adelaide, and she's brand new. How old is she? When was her birthday? April 19th. Uh, she has been with us for most of her life since she's been out and about in the world. And uh, she's gotten to know our, our family ministry really well, our nursery, the folks who've taken care of her there. Some of you have probably seen her around the halls and in her stroller. Uh, but as she is growing up, it's time that you meet her officially and you understand your role in this family's life. Now, Adelaide, this is your family. Uh, you don't quite know it. I know. And this is where you get to worship. It's such a cool building. It's so beautiful, and at times it will remind you when you look up about who God is. I know, I know. Now, Adelaide, there's all kinds of things we're so excited to teach you. Excited to teach you about God, about Jesus, about who you are. At some point, we're going to say to you that you are really well loved by God and by God's people. And hopefully, if we've said it and lived it well, then you'll believe us. And you'll believe that God is for you. You'll look up and you'll feel light. You'll look around you and you'll feel supported. You'll look within and you will feel calm. It's really hard to grow up, Adelaide. I know because I've done it. At least I'm trying to do it. 
And you need people who can help you as you grow up to know who you are, to know who God is, and to know what kind of path you might walk in this world. You've got really cool parents and cool family as we've gotten to know them. Um, and they're also for you. They want to uh, support and keep you healthy and safe. When you cry, they want to be there for you. They'll be close, but sometimes they won't be there whenever things get tough. And other people will be there, even people like me. I know, mom's right here. So I'm going to pass baby back to mom and dad, and then we're going to say a set of promises to one another, okay? All right. I'm going to see mom. Here you go. I'm going to invite Pastor Mary up at this point, too. She's our children's pastor and is also excited to bless this sweet baby. So, whenever we do these dedications, part of what we're doing is setting an intention for our life together. For her life in this family, for the way that her parents are committing to raise this child, and also for your life in this family, that you would support them. If you know what it's like to raise a child, to go through all of what's about to happen, uh, they need you to be in their life. Because they cannot tell this child the full story of who God is or what Christ has done on their own. It's going to take all of us. So I'm going to ask Craig and Danielle um, a couple of questions. And then if you feel like this is something you can walk into, um, then you can respond in the affirmative. But as you watch Adelaide grow, as she begins to develop her own sense of who she is and who God is, will you commit to love her in the way that God has loved you, to show her Christ's goodness Christ's power and Christ's presence in a way that will woo her heart. Will you? And will you do your best to keep her close to God's people so that whenever God calls her name, she might recognize God's voice and respond? Will you? Adelaide, you don't have to say anything right now. Church, will you commit to support this family in sickness and in health, as they raise this child with clarity and with confusion, like all of us go through, will you promise and commit to be the faces of Christ, hands and feet of Christ, so that this child can grow up with a sense of belovedness from the start and to the end? Will you? Did you hear them? They said it. Okay. Friends, this is our intention. This is our set of promises that we are giving to this family. Would you join me as we pray together? Mary, Lindsay, Adelaide, Danielle, Craig. Let's pray. God, thank you for this family, for this child. Even in struggle, even in tears, and also in laughter, we know that you're with us and for us. Bless this family as they prepare to raise a human who you love. And may you bless and keep them. Make your face to shine upon them and be gracious to them. May you lift up your smile on them and give them peace now and all of their days. In the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. Amen. Thank you, church. Thanks, y'all. Pastor Lindsay, you've got a gift for him as well. Thank you. Uh, today we're going to talk about what it means to be the church. We've been in the middle of this teaching focus for the last couple of months now about these sort of core foundational um, concepts, doctrine, orthodoxy, theological cornerstones that we believe together. 
And today we're going to talk about what it means to be Christ's church. I already said as we got started that part of what we're really doing is practicing being Christ's church. And one of the things I'm acutely aware of as we welcome Adelaide and in the middle as we talk with Harry here and these families is this is a space. Church is the place where you are named with some type of precision. I am fully aware, as you are too, that living out in this world has a tendency to name us in all kinds of half-true ways, straight-up false ways, ways that distort our own sense of identity in God. You heard this passage read by Tark, and if you had a Bible or you saw the screen, then you would have also read along with it. There was one part in there that I want to pull out for you this morning. Said in verse 12, as God's chosen ones, Hagias, holy, and agape, beloved, clothe yourself with compassion and kindness and humility and meekness and patience. I don't remember the very first thing I learned about myself in church, but at least the second or third thing was that I was a sinner. It took me a while to learn that God had called me into holiness. It's a big word. It's a big, heavy concept. Into some kind of sacred life. And it took me even longer to understand what it meant to be beloved. And in fact, my ability to comprehend, to understand, and live into what it means to be cherished and loved by the heart of the universe, it is still taking me some time. Anybody else still working on that concept? You can raise your hand. You can be honest. I believe... That coming into the deep knowledge of your belovedness will set you on the Christ path. And being in a community of faith will begin to name with some precision just how you are loved. And at the end of this passage, Paul talks about how gratitude and thankfulness is the thing that springs out from the knowledge that you are beloved. So that in all of your life, you live with joy and gratitude regardless of suffering, trials, tensions, and struggle. I love that Adelaide struggled and even was crying here because it is not always just like super sparkly glitter and smiles. Sometimes just being alive is tricky and difficult. And sometimes churches, pastors, staff, we can get this sense about us that what we're doing in church is we are entertaining you with like spiritual tidbits And we're trying to hold your attention for an hour, hour and a half, so that you feel like you've gotten your money's worth. And that is a way to understand this. And in fact, most models of what it means to gather together sort of center around like a show or a theater or a performance. And so we meet and we we prep and we try to bring excellence and we can sometimes get anxiety and we feel like things don't work out just right. Sort of test the air, the wind, to see if it's blowing in the right direction for some new project or new program that we might have in mind. And all of that is fine and good. I'm always reminded, though, of the deep truth of what we're doing by this one story that was handed down to me. There was this woman who came and visited a church. It was her first Sunday, and she was uh, in retirement age, and she uh, sat down with the pastor and some of the leadership at one of their, like, 101 classes, and And the leadership was so excited to tell her about all the programs. Like you can, on Wednesday nights, you can be in choir. And on Thursday nights, you can go bowling with the senior adults. And then on Sunday mornings, we've got a Sunday school class. And then, you know, on and on and on. And we've got those too. And this woman, she stopped them. She said, please, I'm not here for any of that. 
I'm just looking for a place to die well. And everybody got really quiet. Because so much of our life is aimed toward avoiding the fact that we are in fact so fragile, mortal, vulnerable to pain and suffering, and yes, even to death. And part of being in a community of faith centered on Christ is that we center our lives on the story of Christ, on the cruciform path of Christ. Uh, Adelaide was looking up the whole time while we were walking together, and if she looked up, she would have noticed that even this building is itself a cross, is a cruciform, and, and the pulpit, right, this space where we preach and teach and sing and pray is the middle of that cruciform intersection. And then right here in our baptistry is also a cross, and in the baptistry is water when we do baptisms, and it is a symbol of dying and rebirth. And death suffuses even this moment here at the table when we're asked to remember Christ's death and then promise of resurrection. We are a people unafraid of the power of death in this world. And it will take all of us while aiming our life and our affections to fully believe that. We have been set free from the power and fear of death. My good friend in seminary, Kurt, uh, who hopefully you'll get to meet one day. He's, I think he's coming to town in the spring. Uh, he's also a pastor and a preacher. And he said to me when we were in school, I've said this before, that the Christian life is all about learning how to die well, in fact. So what Christ aims his life toward, I keep, keeps turning toward Jerusalem. And so on this day, on this All Saints Day, we've begun this teaching with a child and with a new life. This kind of everything is possible again moment. And now we're going to move toward a different kind of remembering of those who we've lost. Because in fact, death does not obliterate us or our belovedness. We believe pretty firmly and tenaciously that death is not the end of the story God is telling with us. For the longest time, funerals were themselves a way to place our own mortality in the midst of the community of faith. Now that's often happened somewhere else at some other time and very few of us gathered together. But we would have placed the body here and we would have ushered it outside to the graveyard of the cemetery right outside the church gates. And we would have remembered those who we've loved and lost and hold them tight in the promise that we will be made whole in God's good world. So on this All Saints Day, as is the practice in a lot of faith communities, uh, we are going to bring the names of those who we've lost into our presence here today. I'm going to ask if uh, Pastor Mary, she's going to come up, and then uh, Cindy is going to ring the bell. So in between each of these names, whatever kind of uh, prayerful posture you can assume, you may have people in your own life uh, that you will want to name kind of internally, that you will want to hold with a sense of lightness. These are the folks who we have lost over the last year or so. People who are connected to this faith community or people who are in this faith community. Each of these names has with them a story, has with them a scar, a set of wounds and pain, but also a good kind of remembering. And one day, we will be on a list like this with the people who have named us over the years and sustained our own life and will help to remember us well. So I'm going to ask if you would join me in just this moment of sacred silence as we read these names and ring this bell. And then I'll call us out of this uh, with prayer. Would you join me?
These are the names of those who have died in our community and in the lives of those who we love over the last year or two. Basilio Alcodia. Ronaldo Bassa. Rodolfo Bernabe. Sophia Bermas Bernabe. Siu Yong Jeng. Audrey Cook Calabro. Dr. William Chun Hoon. Jacqueline Cornell. Dan Daniels. Pat Erstad. Mary and Leroy Feebiger. Chris Hayes. Roger Quam. Dustin Lee. Tammy Mares. Buster Mears. Dorothy Pierce. Ann Pritchard. Randy Rhodes. Oscar Sapien. Virgil Swearingen. Kenneth Sweatland. Paul Van Steely. Jean Takahashi. Neil Thompson. Craig Daniel Winslow. Alexis Wolf. Susan Wood. Pat Marion. Daria Nunez. Laura Sharp. David Guess. pray with me. God, receive into your presence the names of those who we love. Be a comfort to those who are mourning the loss of these folks. Give us a sense that death does not obliterate meaning nor the future but that you, in fact, move through and past the worst of what this world can do. 
Give us a tenacious sense of aliveness of the gospel that brings forth new creation so that we can be a people unafraid, a people, in fact, who have already died and have made alive again. In all of this, we are grateful for Christ who has gone ahead of us, who knows the way back home, and who loves us back into wholeness. We pray all of this, all that we know to say and all that we have no words for in the name of the Father, Son, and the Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you for holding with us the names of those who we have lost. And if you have a name you've been carrying and you didn't hear it read this morning, then we invite you next year. This is an All Saints practice that rolls around every year. We would love to carry those names with you as we remember those in a year from now as well. Um, We move from death forward. I mentioned that we, in our church, in our tradition as American Baptists, we have really two sacraments, two means of grace, two kind of big sacred practices that sit in the middle of our worshiping life together. One of those is the Lord's Supper, communion, Eucharist, and today, every first Sunday of the month, we join each other at the table, also a symbol of death and promise of new life. The other symbol is that of baptism. And baptism, especially on Easter Sunday, we've been a practice together, celebrating baptisms together. But as I mentioned, and I know the folks for the last few years who we baptized, my son being one of them, um, the language is, right, buried with Christ in his death and then raised to walk in the newness of life. There is sometimes this sense that being a Christian means that everything is just made well as soon as you make the decision to follow Christ, right? Like there's a button you press and all of the, I need help button and all the help comes and all the worry goes away. It doesn't take very long though, right? For a life to catch back up with that, with that naivete. And it turns out that life is still suffering and pain and loss and confusion. And that vision that maybe we had early on when we were younger and when our faith was a little bit more tender and new, uh, that God would just make everything better right away, it gets complicated. What we teach each other over the long haul, what we're saying today is the community of Christ. The church is, in fact, the body of Christ sort of reconstituted in the world. Uh, is that God is in fact not intimidated by our suffering or our struggle, but that in Christ God is present in that space. We say this over and over and over again. So that when we step into baptistry, when we step to the Lord's table, when we read the names of those we've lost, when we remember, and I remember when I was like a brand new parent and I thought, hold the phone. I'm not the only one who is so fragile. My baby is fragile. When you come to that realization on Ash Wednesday, when we mark a child with the cross and the words, from the dust you came to the dust you shall return, it is like a sucker punch. And then I remember that Christ has gone ahead of us. And I remember that Christ has walked this path before us through suffering, through dying, through loss, even of the presence of God. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then shows us how to take the next step, how to sit down at the beach with some friends and share a meal together again, how to embrace, how to love, how to find hope after the worst thing has happened. This is the rest of our story that we tell one another. 
It says in our passage from Colossians. It says, above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds everything together in a telos, in a wholeness, a completeness, a perfection. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which you indeed were called in one body, and be thankful. What we have in a church well-built, well-sustained, well-constituted by people who are trying their best to follow the risen Christ, is we have just like a glimpse, just a glimpse of what God's world might look like. It looks like this. When we are being who we are supposed to be, it looks like this. When you were singing, when you were praying, when you were being honest about your struggle, it sounds like this. Sometimes a crying baby, sometimes the last sigh of the one who is dying, sometimes the elation of a wedding. It sounds like this. The smells, the texture, the feel, the embrace. We make visible in our life together the reign and rule of God in this world. And if you are exhausted, like, of trying to find it in other places, or being let down by kind of half images of God's world, then hopefully, when we gather here, we are good at practicing loving, like God loves us. We are a community that nurtures one another. I can actually say this with some precision in this congregation, that we are a community who nurtures one another. Because I know who you are who have nurtured me and one another. When things get difficult, when things fall apart. I met a couple a, a few months ago who were considering joining our congregation, and I thought, I hope that they hurry and find their people. Because there's no telling when like tragedy will strike and then you'll need your people. To sustain you. If you don't have a community of faith, if you're here because you're here because you've got family who's got a baby and you're so excited that they have found a church home, um, but maybe you don't have a place like this, or maybe you've kind of been on the fence and you've sat in the third to the back section for months now, there's a lot more that church might offer you than simply the liturgy that we have each Sunday morning, which is itself beautiful and thoughtful and lifting and shapes our desires. But there are people here who would love to love you. Last thing I'll say before we meet this other family. I have this book in my office that somebody gave me from back when they were in seminary years ago. And I flipped to the front cover. It's just this like set of, of truisms of like, uh, encouragements, little phrases and sentences. But when I opened the book and the very first line somebody had written in there for the gift it said um this is for you as you midwifed my soul right you were there the birth of my soul i love that i hope that for you for those of you in this space who have not yet felt born and reborn into the love and life of god then maybe these will be the people that midwife your soul And if you've been at this for quite a while, then maybe you need to find the person who is wanting to come to life. Now, we got a fresh one here. Right here, Harry. So I'm going to ask if Pastor Lindsay, if you would come up. 
and we're gonna make a set of promises again. Y'all, this is like a big Sunday. You got a lot of promises you got to make with one another. But we have uh, the Martinez family. And so y'all come on up here and you've got some family that's going to come stand with you. Yes, so this is Gabby and Ryan and sweet, adorable, precious, handsome baby Harrison. And uh, Harrison was born in May. <laughs> so lots of new life happening. Um, and John Jane, I had the chance to sit with Gabby and Ryan to talk about what they were looking for in a church and especially for Harrison. And I remember Gabby said something to the effect of, we're looking for a place where he's going to feel loved. And we said, that sounds pretty perfect to us. That's exactly what we want you and everyone here to feel is loved. That's right. You good with that? Yeah. So we're real excited that y'all have decided to also put roots here um, and with baby Harrison to grow along with him as well. Awesome. Thank you, Pastor Lindsay. Harry, you want to go on a walk, buddy? Let's go. Let's go check it out. I saw you, you were eating like peas and something green earlier. So if you do want to spit up, you should feel free to, but that's what this birth cloth is for. Um, hey, Harry. Hey, buddy. So uh, I knew your parents before you knew your parents. I know that they, when they first came and visited, they sat like right in this section over here for a few Sundays. And they were really patient with learning about this church, learning about us, about the staff, about the story we were telling about God. They were really patient. And then they found out that you were on the way. And they sort of sharpened their vision a little bit because all of a sudden the stakes were a little bit higher about what kind of family they joined, what kind of church they set their lives within. And then you were born and they sat down in our office and we chatted about whether or not this would be their family and be your family. And you didn't exactly get all the way a choice right away. But we are choosing for you for a little bit about the place that you'll call home, about the people who'll be in your life, the other kids who are going to love you and teach you about who you are and who God is. The world is really strange, Harry. These days it feels really, really strange. And I'm not always sure what kind of world you're going to inherit. But part of your inheritance is this community of faith, are these people. And they're going to be part of the family too. Part of this ongoing story. And when things get really weird and get scary, they'll be here. And when you get confused, when you turn like 12 or 13, we'll be here. And when your parents haven't gotten enough sleep in months and they're struggling just to see straight, we'll be here. And when you start to have a sense that God loves you and that means something big, we'll be here to tell you what that might mean congregation this is harry Uh, he's really special right just like you are really special and he's just learning now what it means to be in a family of faith and it's a gift that this is his space and that his parents are trusting us it's a gift we didn't all get it or maybe we got a bad version of it but we're going to give him the best version of church week after week year after year I trust you. So anytime I meet with family, when Lindsay and I get to meet with young families, with their babies, I tell them about you and about my trust for you to help to raise this child, to love this child, so that we don't have to undo those first years of church life, but just support it. So this is Harry. 
and Ryan and Gabby. And their family is all here. Somehow, this is their church, y'all. We are so glad that they are here. And whatever part you've played in their life up to this point, we want to hold it with some tenderness and respect. So thank you. Uh, y'all are really cool people, and we're so thankful for you. Um, we do have some questions, some promises. Harry, you can listen, and somebody's probably recording this on their phone. Several people are. So one day they'll show you what your parents have committed to here. Ryan and Gabby. Harry is a gift, and he's entrusted to you for a season, but he does not belong to you. He belongs to God first. And so in all the years you have him, to raise him and to love him, (laughs) will you show Christ's love to him in all that you do with one another and in your affections toward him? Will you trust that God loves him before you have and will love him after you can no longer do so. <laughs> Will you put on patience and compassion for yourselves when things get tricky, for one another and for your child? Will you be the face of Christ for this baby? Will you? Yeah. Harry? This is your congregation and your larger family, church family, First Baptist Church of Pasadena. Will you promise and commit? To walk with this family when things are easy and when things get tricky. When they need support and another voice that can see clearly when things get strange. When they need more than one image of God's love and affection. Will you be that for this family? Face his hands and feet of Christ. Will you? Harry, did you hear? They said that they would. Y'all, it's such a big deal. It's such a big deal to be trusted in this way. And this is how we come into the world. We come into the world real squishy and real just like ready. The hand out, right? Like, this kid doesn't know me. Why is he eating my thumb? But that's just how it goes. And over time, we learn that the world is not as safe as we thought. And it does not always intend the goodness that we hoped it would. But this can be a different kind of place. This can be a different experience. Because of the ways that you have chosen to live your life. In accordance with Christ. So thank you. Would you pray with me a blessing uh, over this family? Y'all let's pray together. God we are so grateful. For this baby. And for this family, for Ryan and Gabby. Thankful for the health that is present here, for the affection, already for the thoughtfulness. Be with Ryan and Gabby in their marriage, in their parenting. Be with Harry as he grows up. That you would always be a presence of comfort, of clarity, and of patience. God, we don't always know what to do in these situations, but just to lean in and trust you and to love with a good bit of risk. So we ask for your blessing here now. Would you bless and keep this child? Make your face to shine upon him and be gracious to him. Would you lift up your smile upon him and give him peace now and all of his days? In the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. And all God's people said...
Amen. Amen. Here's your child. Thank you all. <laughs> Sometimes it's harder to talk about a thing than just to practice a thing. It says in our scripture reading today, the kind of clothing that we're supposed to wear, the kind of people that we're supposed to be. And it says toward the end of our reading, let the word of Christ dwell richly in you, teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. And with gratitude in your hearts, sing, right? Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So you are the teaching today. Because in fact, you are the church this day. I'm going to invite the choir and Pastor Leslie up. They're going to sing a song over us at this time. And then after this moment, we're going to enter into a time of communion together. We get to take up a practice as Christ's church. So hear these words as they've been prepared for you. Let's continue in worship.